Welcome to More Like This, a podcast from Netflix Q, the journal that celebrates the people, ideas, and process of creating great entertainment. I'm Krista Smith. I've spent over 20 years interviewing some of the biggest names in Hollywood. And on this show, I'm bringing you fresh new perspectives from across the entertainment industry with the kind of access only Netflix can offer. This week, we're shining a spotlight on two documentaries centered around family, loss, and the unspoken intensity of relationships we form over time. Both fervent in emotion and absolutely delightful to watch. We'll start with Dick Johnson is Dead, and later on, you'll hear all about What Would Sophia Loren Do? Dick Johnson is Dead is directed and co-written by Kirsten Johnson, who made the film to explore her feelings around her father's journey as he nears the end of his life. Despite plunging headfirst into topics like dementia and mortality, the film is charming, sweet, and disarmingly funny. At times, surprisingly raw and deliciously fantastical. It uncannily approaches the face of death with pure joy. Kirsten recently spoke to a fellow acclaimed documentarian and old friend, Michael Moore, about the film. Hey, everybody. So we're going to introduce uh, Kirsten Johnson, the director of this wonderful film. I've known Kirsten for a long time. Feels like a long time. Kirsten, obviously, is not only an incredible documentary filmmaker. Those of us in this business who've known her forever know her as one of our top cinematographers, documentary cinematographers, just an incredible, talented uh, camera person. And in fact, four years ago, she made an award-winning documentary called Camera Person, where she chose outtakes of many of the films that she has shot and put it together into this wonderful essay on what is truth, what's fiction, what's the difference between truth and nonfiction, the idea of a documentary, but also the idea of being the person in the room and sometimes in very tense situations with a camera. And that had been her life. Now she has made six or seven documentaries and has been lauded for her fine work as a documentary filmmaker. So without further ado, uh, let me introduce to you the director and uh, co-writer of Dick Johnson is Dead, Kirsten Johnson. Kirsten, welcome. Oh, Michael, it's so fantastic to see you. I can't even believe it. Yes, and- I know. It's like uh, this, this pandemic feels like it's gone on for 10 years. It really does. And then it makes it feel like 47 lifetimes ago that we worked together for the first right. time. Yeah, there's I have so many thoughts I want to, things I want to ask you about from the film, from Dick Johnson is Dead. And I realized some of you, sadly, no fault of your own, didn't end up with good parents or maybe one good parent. And And so that's a hard thing to deal with always. But you, obviously, uh, as you stayed in the film, ended up with good parents. And I was lucky enough to have that. And maybe that, so the idea of losing them, it's, it's so awful. And it, it, the, I mean, go back to the idea, first of all, you know, like right when the idea sort of came up in your head, where's the epiphany where you thought of doing this and then you were going to have to 
ask your dad to participate. But of course, I think you knew your dad. So you kind of had an idea. He might, he might go along with this. I love to, to keep finding the, the like go back and go back and go back and keep finding the germ, like the little tiny seedlings of films because yeah. they're sort of like there from the very beginning. But, you know, absolutely one of the starts of this film was uh, a dream I had where I saw a man I didn't recognize in an open casket and he suddenly sat up and he said, I'm Dick Johnson and I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and it really, it just was like full blown. Like, I feel like I sat up out of bed from the dream of like, <gasps> like it's going to be too late was the, sort of the feeling of it, you know, in that sort of wake up call kind of a dream space. Right. Wow. Yes. But, yeah, and, and, and it's taken me a while to figure out the man who I didn't recognize, of course, was like who my father was becoming because I was not consciously aware of the dementia at that point. But one of the other starting points for this film, Michael, is in Camera Person, where Nels Bangarder, the brilliant editor who I work with, he put together the shot of my mother after the shot of her ashes. And truly, like... I cannot say more truly, the first time I saw it, I just had this feeling of like, my mom's alive. Like just for a second, mm. the film tricked me. Mm. And then that was just like, oh, movies do this, right? They, they, they make us feel like dead people are alive. And that I think is one of the sort of, for me, like on a certain level, why should anybody care about Dick Johnson or that he's dying? Like he was a nice man. He had a good life. He was good. He didn't need a movie, but you know, this is coming from my desperation as a human, but it's also my questioning as a filmmaker of like, what can movies do for us? So for me, it was just like, okay, this creative act of like trying to, you know, be defiant towards death and like laugh at dementia and like mess with all of it can it show us a way forward? Because like, there's just so much pain and loss and grief and violence. Like, and as you know, sometimes humor like breaks things that seem like they can't ever be broken. Well, well, that's the truth. I think you've given a real gift by making this film because it, this, this issue of losing a parent, a loved one, a child, God forbid, we don't know how to get through it. And you can read all the Kubler-Ross books and the five stages and the whatever. But even though like my dad passed away uh, six years ago, but it feels like six weeks ago. And it still does. And, and I realized my mom had died before him, but they both lived into their 80s and 90s. But still, and people, you know, probably people came up, you know, well, I, well this is the point where, spoiler alert time, but amazingly... Dick Johnson isn't dead. And he's right and, here. He's right here. <laughs> I, you know, but, you know, even though we're friends, I know you, I have avoided this entire year reading anything about this because I did not want to know. Really? What was, yes. Can you believe wow. that? So anytime I'd run across something with your name or whatever, I'd just go, blah, 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 you know, get it off the screen. Oh my God. Michael, there's great reviews out there you've got to go back to. <laughs> you know, but I love, I love the movies so much, and I love you and what you do with film that I didn't want it, I didn't want it wrecked. And, 
And you had me all the way right up into, through the ambulance ride. And I'm thinking, how? How? Wow. I could. <laughs> Did I punk you? Did you believe he was really gone? I did. Yeah. We punked Michael Moore. <laughs> yes, I, I totally. I'm very proud. Oh, you did it all the right ways. You put the date on the screen, you know, the documentary style type, white type on the black screen. June. We know. We know our language. We know our language. 2019. And then all, and even you have this shot during the funeral with your dad up in the choir balcony. Yeah. But I still think you've just imposed him there because it's kind of in a bright light, yeah. the way you lit it. Yeah, he's, he's gone, but she's put a shot of him there until it comes to the two of you standing <laughs> like Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Where, <laughs> God, wouldn't it be great if you could sneak into your own funeral and see what people really are saying about you. It, 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 you took this, this classic idea that I think most people, if they were honest, have thought about. Right. And boom, there it is. And then boom, it's actually true. He's still alive. And he's watching what people would say. And his closest friend has a breakdown on the altar. <laughs> and right. it's, wow. But you know, it's interesting that that I did not start to cry in this film until that happened. Oh, at Ray, when Ray was crying, that's when you cried? Because here's the thing. We don't get to pick our parents and we don't get to pick our siblings. We do get to pick our best friends and our partners. And so it's all, it's all choice. And so here, this man, his best friend in Seattle, literally having this breakdown and I started to cry, not thinking about myself, but thinking about one or two best friends of mine. You know, what they would, how they would have to deal with my death. And I wouldn't want them to have to deal with it. Like, I'd, I'd rather they go bef before me. Right. So that, because I have one, I have one or two friends that um, would respond the same way. And it was so emotionally gut wrenching to watch you know he's he's 91 years old and he said like this is you know you kirsten may think that this is not real but this is as real as it gets for me and you know this is what i've been struggling with for years the fear which one of us was going to go first and now we know who it is and then and he said well maybe we don't maybe i'll drop dead tomorrow you and i have had this discussion because especially you as a great cinematographer that especially in a documentary, the important, sometimes the most important things are taking place not directly in front of the camera. And you, you laid this out so well in Camera Person. But the, the real story is in the peripheral vision. And so, and I've watched you shoot, and I've watched how, how you have one eye in the lens sometimes, and your other eyes open. And it's not, it's not that your eyes can, eyes move in most of us at the same place but you are keeping that other eye open so that your peripheral vision will catch something that may be happening right over there yeah and that's totally what happened in that situation you know there were several different camera people but they are like trusted and old friends of mine that was john yeah. foster who yeah. you know went off book 
and filmed Ray doing that. And then Nadia Hallgren, who you know and love, um, who started out as a PA on Fahrenheit 9-11, my PA, getting me water. <laughs> She's the one who came, you know, the shot of my dad walking down the aisle at the end. You know, we hadn't, we hadn't gamed that out at all. And I was back there with my dad and Nadia left her camera, came back around and took the camera from me and then proceeded us down. And and it was all Nadia. It's just like the instincts of a camera person in that moment. (laughs) Michael, I want to say to you, we don't know which one of us is going to die first, but I promise you, I will sob when you die. You're the one who taught me, you know, the shot in the film where I put the camera down and it's on the floor when I'm, my dad's trying to comfort me because he has dementia. You taught me that. And you taught me that on Fahrenheit 9-11, we were going to film in front of the Saudi embassy and we were in the van and I was like talking to someone or something. And you said, turn the camera on. And I, and I remember being like, what are you talking about? We're not even there yet. I'm going to have to get out of the car with the camera. And it was like this big, giant camera. And you said, just please turn the camera on. We don't know what's about to happen. But something is about to happen. And in that moment, all of the police cars started coming, like, Secret in service. front of the Saudi embassy. Yeah. And I, you know, got the camera and, like, got the focus. And I just, it was like, boom. That thing that you said, we don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen and we have to be rolling. And what's amazing to me is Mm -hmm. you both taught me to turn the camera on earlier than I would Mm -hmm. ever imagine. And you taught me to keep it rolling much. Never turn the camera off. And into the the fear, into the humiliation, into the, you know, and and I just really want to credit you for being the person who taught me that. And... Thanks for saying that. I don't know where I learned this probably just by watching so many movies as a young person. And, and there are these films I can cite where the director decided to leave the scene, go just one more beat, let it go another two seconds. It made all the difference. And especially in documentary. Plus for me, and maybe you found this too over the years for your own safety. It's a good idea to leave the camera on, especially as the police pull up because you may need that as evidence because they're going to claim you were doing something that you weren't doing. And I thought about you and me uh, a couple of weeks ago when the terrorist mob attacked the Capitol building and we have filmed there, you and I, and I've always felt, I've never saw the camera as a weapon as much as I saw it as a protector. Mm. Protector, a protector of the truth, a defender of the truth, but also a protector of us to get out of there alive. Well, I mean, it's the the January 6th events are um, so deeply complicated on a cinematic and journalistic image level. I would really love to do like a breakdown, sort of shot by shot breakdown of all of the different perspectives from which that footage was filmed because I think and also I think now you know we're in a really interesting situation in terms of how the footage is being used to find and prosecute people as evidence you know all of those aspects of it are deeply interesting also and all of it deeply complicated well you should do that film I mean, really, it it would be it would be a pretty amazing film right yeah Yeah. (laughs) in our spare time How's your dad tonight? My dad is 
my dad is the best. So just to tell you, I went down to visit him. He's in a dementia care facility in D.C. near my brother now. I went to visit him this last weekend, and I can only see him for a half an hour and at a six-foot distance outside. And it was so beautiful. I got there, and he said, oh, tell me all about yourself. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I told him all about what was happening, and then he said, okay, do I get to come home with you? <laughs> and I said, I said, no, I can't take you. It's the pandemic. And then it was, you know, time to go. Next day, he started the conversation with, are you taking me? <laughs> and, and then my brother had come with me and we went into this crazy thing of like, well, if we took you, you know, you have dementia and you just wander outside in the back of my house and there's bears out there and ticks with Lyme disease. So you don't want to come. <laughs> so we went, we went negative the second day. And then the third day, we just decided we'd go fantasy with it. And uh, he said, so are you taking me? And I was like, yeah, we're taking you. Where do you want to go? And he's like, I don't care. I'll go anywhere with you. And I was like, let's go to the Seas Chocolate Factory. Like, you know, like, let's go out to the ocean. And so then we had this amazing half an hour conversation where everyone was just spitballing what was our fantasy of where we want to go. So I've been doing that with my kids, too, and... I'm pro-fantasy in these COVID times. Right, right. I think everybody who watched this film is in love with your dad. He's such a great guy. You know, and I know I've already said, I've told people about the film without telling them anything. And you got to watch this. Oh, it sounds so depressing. <laughs> Dick Johnson is dead. I don't even know Dick Johnson. I don't want to see something. <laughs> I'm saying no, 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 no. No, this, fam this film was made for us right now in this moment. Mm. And it's a, it's a thing of love. And it's a, 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 a uh, I order you to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people to give up. When you, when you say that about me, me living longer than you or, or you, because uh, you, you don't want to have to deal with the sorrow of my death. Jeez, I, I immediately thought the same thing. But then my second thought was, if, if I do outlive you, I will be there at your wake with my version of camera person, of, yes. of my clips from, of everything that you've shot yes. on the show. It's a promise. This is a promise and there's accountability. We have a lot of witnesses. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, we but let's live. do something bold at each other's death. I, that is a promise that we make. For now, let's get through this, though. Let's live. Everybody. Live as long as we possibly can. And to all of the audience, long may you live and uh, long may those you love live. And I just cannot thank you enough, Michael, for doing this conversation. Oh, thank you. It means so thank much. Thank you, Kirsten. Thanks, everybody. Be safe, uh, be kind, and um, we'll, uh, we'll see you somewhere, right? In the Gifts future. for all, in the yeah. gift of the future. The gift, the gift of cinema. Thank you, everybody. Ah. Bye, Kirsten. Dick Johnson is Dead explores the relationship between father and daughter. While the next film we'll be talking about delves into the relationship between an Italian-American grandmother and one of the most iconic movie stars of our time. What Would Sophia Loren Do? is a documentary short that explores one woman's six-decade-long admiration for legendary actress Sophia Loren. The grandmother, Nancy, finds inspiration in Sophia, who helps her navigate her life as a daughter, mother, wife, and independent woman. Similar to Dick Johnson is Dead, 
The film is enchanting and endearing, even when approaching the trying and the tragic. Let's listen in on a roundtable discussion with the key players in the film, moderated by Kirsten Johnson. I'm Gerilyn White-Dreyfus, and I'm uh, an executive producer on the film. Joining me in conversation is our beloved KJ, Kristen Johnson, and Regina K. Scully and her beloved mother, who you, if you haven't already seen the film, you'll, you'll be meeting at large, uh, Vincenza. Um, we also have filmmakers, Ross Kaufman and Robin Honan, who produced the film. Regina is also a producer and executive producer of the film. I just want to start by saying that this film has been just like buckets and buckets of joy. It's really been almost like a fairy tale. Regina told me these stories about her mother, Vincenza, Nancy, and her Italian heritage and how she grew up and her mother's advice. And when she ever shared with me that big decisions like the prom dress or a color or, you know, some, 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 big decision that, that seemed big at the moment, her mother would be like, what would Sophia Loren do? So that became like a, a, a measure, a, a, a little stop point, a little inflection point. Um, and it's a metaphor, but it's also an homage to Italian heritage and grace and cinema and beauty and resilience. And so it's just been such a joy. And to have the opportunity to work with Ross Kaufman, who I had the privilege of um, being involved with his first film, Born into Brothels, and practically every film since. I just, you know, when Regina told me the story, I'm like, you have to, this is a film, you have to make a film. And 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 really, we knew Ross was the person to do it because of his ability to kind of get inside the the hearts and emotion of the emotional landscape uh, behind, a, behind a family and a legacy. So anyways, I just want to open up the conversation with with uh, with KJ, who was just the perfect moderator for this, with her with her movie, Dick Johnson is dead, and the the connections of uh, of really telling stories about people that we love and people that are as close to us as our parents. I just wanted to acknowledge what a beautiful creative film that you made and how what a wonderful pairing this is for the two films. It really is a pairing. I mean, like any great meal, right? Yeah. You need you need the glass and the plate. And Gerilyn, thank you so much for this, you know, lovely introduction and and sharing with us the way in which you are all friends and colleagues and family in a certain way that we we make family together as we make films. And um, lucky me, I uh, got to be on a shoot with both Robin and Ross. So I know what it is like to be with them when they are making a film and um, sort of how much joy and pleasure they bring to it. And so, you know, Nancy, my first question is to you, because I feel like you manifested this wish on a certain level. You, you brought it into being, this meeting and this film. So, so in this ways that Sophia Loren manages to manifest, you know, the presence we see on screen, how'd you make this happen? I think the joy of watching her when I was so busy raising four babies and uh, having parents that were still alive and I was tending to them. And there were many responsibilities, but I saw the joy and I always felt the joy of, of just being alive and well. And I was inspired by her, her, her ways, you know, her, her behavior. And I thought, wow, you know, she's fun. 
and she's been through so much. And I, I started to identify with those kind of emotions that she showed. It was the what she was showing in her resilience, in her fun, and uh, she was just a delight. Well, that is the perfect segue, Nancy, Miss Delicious Vincenza, because <laughs> we have a little surprise for you. Uh-huh. Our adorable, beloved Sophia has uh, wants to blow you a kiss. So we're gonna. We, we, she's recorded a message because it's very late in Geneva where she is, but she has a very special wish for you in the film. So we'd like to share it with everybody now. Thank you, precious. When I first saw what would Sophia Loren do. I was so touched and moved by the story. Mm-hmm. This film is an ode to family and the faith we place in others. The ones who accompany and inform our journey. For me, that person was my husband. He inspired me to realize that the characters I embody in my films, their vitality and strength are the realization that everything we need already lives inside of us. And that, in turn, defined what I hope to be in life as a mother and a grandmother. But most importantly, as a woman, someone who tries her best to act with care, love, and convention. The story of my friend Vincenza and their family is such a story. And it is a privilege to share it with you. So sweet, Vincenza. I love how her eyes, I love when she says your name, Vincenza, and her eyes pop. <laughs> oh, it's thank you. It's such an honor. And it feels so good to feel that anything we do in life, uh, that people can feel it. It's so important. Yeah, it's so great. Supportive, you know. And that we have each other. Oh, yeah. Feeling. There is a whole lot of feeling that that woman embodies and that you embody. And it's remarkable the way you recognize each other. And I, I have to say that the moment of you gazing at her is one of my favorite moments of the film. It's literally, you can see the beams of light passing between the two of you. This movie is such a deep movie on so many levels. And, you know, I... I would like to acknowledge Regina and um, what Regina has brought to our world of cinema in terms of um, her choice to go after and support films that acknowledge people who haven't been seen before, that speak about traumas that haven't been spoken about before. And, um, you know, I met you many, many years ago, Regina, and you told me you had a mission. You're right. I remember. Right. And I have seen you, I've seen you carry out that mission. And even in a film as free and joyful and celebratory as this, you know, at the heart of this movie is something very painful and very profound. And it's what you have been bringing to our documentary world since you entered it, basically. So Regina, I just wanted you to talk about sort of 
the, the force of your mission, I remember being blown away by, but now that I've met your mother through the movie and in person, I'm like, oh, <laughs> not just about what would Sophia Loren do? There's also a little bit of, what's Nancy gonna do with what the world has given? Mm. Yes, no, first of all, Kirsten, thank you for acknowledging that. It means the world to me. I have such admiration for you and the work that you do and the same for Ross and everyone, in fact, on this panel, Geraldine and Robin too. And, you know, my, it, you're, I do remember, Kirsten, my God, you have a good memory. And at that time we met, you know, I was coming off of still, you know, learning that something had happened to somebody that I love very much. But so I, I knew that the stories are so powerful, right? We learn and they go right to the heart. So I knew, wow, this is a, this is a medium I'm interested in. Movies, storytelling that aims right for the heart and moves us and just to do it with compassion and empathy. And I'm just interested in stories that go deep. And even though this story, what would Sophia Loren do, is yes, it's it's it is joyful, and it is it is fun, and it's all those things. But just as you so profoundly pointed out, it goes very very deep, and it goes to the heart and soul of things that we all go through in life. Every one of us goes through the fire at some point in our lives, and the ups and downs and all arounds. And so this f- film very much addresses that whether we're an international Italian icon, movie star, or whether we're this precious, adorable, you know, mom and grandmother, you know, in, in, in your hometown where I grew up, it, these truths just carry through in all of our lives. And we're very much the same at our core. Well, and this idea of, you know, we all have fires that we must go through and somehow cinema is one of the things that helps us, helps us get through. And, I just got to say, I mean, the clips of Sophia Loren in this movie, every single one of them just sends you rushing to find, like, I got to watch that movie. I got to watch that movie. And Robin, I want you to tell me about, like, the experience of discovering that you are digging into this archive and the sort of candy store that got opened up because... You know, you can make a feature film just out of the montages of Sophia Loren. You know, I just think about when we're using Sophia's stories to tell Nancy's story. You know, Ross and I weren't aware of everything she was going to share. And so, you know, it's a conversation we wouldn't have had if we were just sharing a meal. It was these films that gave Nancy the permission to share. Yep. And, Mm. you know, so I think it's just this beautiful dovetailing of using stories to tell your story in a way that, and that's what art does, is it gives us permission in a way that if we were just conversing without a work of art to inspire us or to say, I'm watching this woman experience this horrific moment, but look, she's strong. You know, that is one of my favorite parts of making this film is just that the three of us in those very intimate moments of being in the living room, we were brought into your world, Nancy. And it was such an honor. And it was all because we were experiencing these great works of art together. Mm-hmm. Ross was masterful and Robin at weaving mm-hmm. the two lives, the seemingly separate, completely different, and yet so 
fundamentally connected lives of these two women. It was just was masterfully done. And you, what you, what I love because you, what you really did was you, you wove together really these two women who have such beautiful core values. I mean, these are two deep, profound women who have lived a full, full life with such honor and integrity. I just, and that just comes across so clearly in the film. And I think it was beautifully done wow. on a cinematic level and just, you know, a tech, technical level, everything. The storytelling was, was just, I mean, it was an honor to just watch it unfold. Well, two things. One, Regina, I want to make sure everyone knows how much of a collaborator you were and a creative force behind this as well. You were amazing. You were an amazing partner as well. I just don't, I want to make sure everyone knows that you were Thank actually. You. Yeah, she's not just a daughter here. Not just you a daughter. And, um, Cause you know, Thank you, and then the other thing is I, I also want to, um, uh, you know, the editor obviously is the key. Oh, the Keiko editor. Degu editor. Our, our editor Keiko Deguchi is out there oh. somewhere. And Keiko is one of the most beloved and uh, oh. talented editors in our business. And I just want to say thank you, Keiko, because Keiko is the one who made that work. And Keiko really brought these two stories together. And we didn't even know this was going to be about Sophia and Nancy when we first started. It was just it was this exploration of, as Gerald said, friends and some of Nancy's friends. And, and little by little, it turned into yeah. what, you know, we'd listen to the film. You know, we all want to figure out what the film is. You listen to it, not to sound pretentious or too pretentious. And it just evolves. But Keiko boiled it down to its essence. It, she really was able to weave these two stories together. And I, I give, you know, Keiko a huge amount of credit for that. I think part of that was also because there was this fairy tale aspect to making the movie when, when Nancy and Regina actually got to meet Sophia first um, at a celebration for America and the arts. But then Eduardo actually was looking for someone to her son, Eduardo Ponte was looking for someone to direct a movie about his father. And so he was kind of struggling with like, can I direct this? Should I be in it? What's the story? And I said, well, if I was going to hire a director to do that story, it would be Ross Kaufman. And then you know, as when Regina kind of got the guts to sort of tell Eduardo the story about what would Sophia Loren do in the apron, he just burst into tears. And he's like, and um, so he sent uh, he sent the apron to, to Sophia and she was so touched that she called them. And then this started this friendship. So and then, gracious. And then so when gracious. Dominic died, she called him again. They, they became this family so that when they actually finally met, you know, which you see in the movie, it's just so delicious. They were literally like two little school kids holding, walking hand in hand. The only thing missing was their lunch pail. I mean, they were there with their little thing and they're walking, walking, walking. I'm like, where's their lunch pail? Because it, you, they just felt like they'd been together since yeah. they were five. It was, yeah. it was like, I've never seen anything quite like it. Immediately so embrace, and they start talking and sharing, you know, their trade secrets about how you get through this life and what you put up with, with your families and your husbands and your kids. I mean, it was hilarious. <laughs> it was so great. So beautiful. And yet she was just so touched and by Vincenza and Nancy and Regina and this, that, that a daughter would do this for her mother that would want to share this story. And mm -hmm. you see the relationship and devotion that Eduardo, the, the way he cares for his mother, mm -hmm. the deference that he's so deferentially so protective and Regina's that way with her mother. So it was also this homage to Italian family just that that the pride and the loyalty and the fer ferociousness, the, the ferociousness of love. And you could feel that. 
So it was really fun that Ross was able to kind of bring that in and here you could feel her vulnerabilities, the things that she went through in life. And I think she appreciated that. I think she identified with Nancy. I think the, for, the joy of the film is just watching Nancy, whether it's her, you know, her little jiggle, like I got to get your jiggle down, Nancy, or the way you look up or you laugh or when she's flipping the pizza and you're like, you're like, you're like, look at her, look at her. She's so <laughs> I wouldn't mind looking like that. That's our show. Thanks again for tuning in. Dick Johnson is Dead and What Would Sophia Loren Do are streaming now on Netflix. For more, head over to NetflixQ.com. That's NetflixQueUE.com. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. Listen in next time for more like this. <laughs>